It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. Bit subdued this week, not my usual big intro. That's because I had a teeth removed on Tuesday and it's still a. Uh, my name's James Troopany. I'm, as you can imagine, a bit sore. And joining me today is Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir? I'm pretty I'm good. Pretty good. Walk up at the crack of dawn. Uh, uh, I'm currently I'm coffee fueled. Good, good. I have my coffee too. Now, before we go any further, we have to talk about some sad news. Yesterday, the maniac, rollball Mark Rocco, passed away from the greatest British professional wrestlers of all time. Highly influential. He is the reason why junior heavyweight wrestling is the way it is today. I will almost guarantee it. And he was an absolutely incendiary professional wrestler. Now, I cannot give Mark Rocco his due in this show. We'd already planned to do things, as you can imagine. We tend to think about this a week in advance. But whoever is around next week and whoever is available, next week's show will be our tribute to the rollerball. And if you want to find out my thoughts, I wrote an obituary piece on uh, Steelchair Wrestling Magazine's website yesterday. You can find it. Um, Mark Rocco is just a reason why I love professional wrestling. An absolute gentleman to boot. I've never met the gentleman, never had a chance to talk to him. But from everyone I know and respect who loves and adores Mark Rocco, they have had nothing to say. Would you like to say anything, John? Because he is a bit before your time. I was going to say, I don't really think I can add anything else. I've heard the stories, seen the matches. The guy is a legend, a pioneer. And yeah, one of the main reasons, as you said, junior wrestling is as it is. Yeah, for certain. I think one Hiromo Takahashi owes a great debt to maniac Mark Rocco. Don't you agree? Yeah, I can definitely see what you mean. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that next week. But today we're talking about Arceon. Speaking of pioneers, Arceon Hypervisual Fighting Arts Females, to give it its full title, was a promotion started in 1998 by the incomparable Mr. Rossi Ogawa, who hired Aja Kong to be his main creative force behind a new company. Now, Rossi Ogawa had previously worked for All Japan Women as a promoter, had a hand in JD Star, which was Jaggi Yukota's promotion that came a little bit before Arceon and was the key owner and promoter of Arceon Visual Fighting Arts. It was a very interesting promotion because it took a different swing at what Joshi was about, featured a lot of wrestlers who weren't getting traction in the promotions where they were, so they came to join Arceon to get a breath fresh of life, and it gave Aja Kong the ability and chance to be as creative as she wanted to be when it came to developing a wrestling company. They took a very different approach to Joshi. This is not your standard Joshi. This isn't AJW or Gaia, as we've talked about in previous weeks. This was something very, very different. Now, John didn't even know Arceon existed, I don't think, until about Tuesday when I said, here, watch this. So what are your thoughts going into this with as little preparation as I normally give you, because I wanted you to have fresh eyes to the product. What are your thoughts on it, John? I'd heard the name Arceon because you mentioned them before, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I never actually watched anything from it, so I didn't know what to expect going in. And even now, I'm not 100% sure what it was that I watched. It was a very hybrid show with a lot of different elements going on. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I think they took the FMW approach to pro wrestling and a little bit of UWFI 
and uh, applied it to Joshi. There's lots of mixed martial arts influence here. There's a certain sense of realism here that you don't get in other styles of Joshi. It's very, very different. And we've got two shows, one from the very beginning. The first show was called Virgin. <laughs> and actually featured topless shots of all the wrestlers on the card just above their nipples, or the nipples were phased out, or they were painted in. Gammy, who wrestled for, for Arceon, used it as a Twitter ID pic for the longest time. And I was like, Are that, that's your nipples, aren't they? No, they weren't. It was a really bizarre opening show, as you can imagine. We're thankfully not dealing with that show because it's just a whole bunch of stuff because it's called Virgin for a start. Uh, but we're dealing with two shows. One's a standard house show from Currican Hall on the 17th of April. Uh, standing room only, 1650 in attendance and the old configuration of Currican, which meant it looked like packed to the rafters Currican, which was really cool. And we're going to deal with a show called Carnival, which came from that December, which was one of their big shows. And when you get the big production values. So you've got a mix of what they did every day of the week and a mix of the big special events. They didn't have a TV deal. They had a DVD release, which obviously the standard was set with FMW uh, as to how that would work. And it became a viable way of promoting your product. And their TV production is pretty good. Would you agree, John? Yeah, it looks yeah, like it's enough. It's enough. It's definitely cut. Yeah. Now, Rossi Agawa, of course, is currently the owner and operator, or was the owner and operator of World Wondering Stardom. And there's a lot of things that go on in Stardom that started in Arceon, and you'll see a direct line between the two. Similarly, there's a lot of things happening in JD Star that you see in Arceon, and you certainly see in World Wondering Stardom. I think World Wondering Stardom is kind of a crossover between JD Star and Arceon. It's kind of like the JD Star was, I, we haven't done a lot on it. Jaggy Yukota started JD Star, but it was very much about nice looking young ladies who look good in a bikini having fights. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas this is this is the opposite of that. Having said that, it's Rossi Gower and he never gets that far away from the idea of selling posters. Anywho, let us start with this event. I will explain a little bit as we go along, like the standards of where this is. And the first match is a good example. Like Michi Michiko Amuka and Yumi Fukawa defeated Jesse Bennett and Reggie Bennett in 19 minutes and 40 seconds. Now, Amuki and Fukawa had come from AJW. They left in 1998 to go to Arceon, and they left, I'm assuming, as they were kind of mates with Aja Kong, because, you know, they probably weren't getting him anywhere in AJW at the time, because the new generation of stars was coming through after that big run. Yumanami Toyotas and Yukira Hokutos were moving on, and they were moving a lot of people up the card, and perhaps they felt they weren't being reflected of that. So they moved to Arceon, where they had a better kind of idea. Reggie Bennett, we haven't talked about since the unfortunate events of Dream Slam, where she got a kicking from Chigasaw Nagayo in a proper shoot manner um, and gave back as good as she got and then wasn't really used much again until this particular point. And she brought her sister, Jessie, with her. Uh, big lasses, these two. And they lost, which was uh, unfortunate for them. But this was an exceptional professional wrestling match of a very high standard but was a much more different feel to what you'd expect from Joshi at the time. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, much, yeah. I was in agreement. I was quite surprised by what I was watching, especially considering it was a 19-minute opening match. Yes. And Omakai was pulling double duty because she was in the next match as well. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was it was a pretty high quality match, and it had a nice dynamic of the sort of bigger foreign team taking on these two stars from AJW. It was it was a nice introduction. Yeah, I, I would think so. Really, it was it it showed off really the talents of all involved. Jesse Bennett hadn't been wrestling long; she was the younger sister of Reggie Bennett, but her. Uh, similar kind of baby monster feel to her she had a lot going on i like what, what she was doing she was enthusiastic there was some rough around the edges blown spots in this which you wouldn't expect at this caliber of wrestling but there was nothing wrong with it it was perfectly solid built wrestling but you start to get the idea that they're trying to do something different because emoka and fukawa are very shoot style orientated they're always looking for a catch hold they were always looking for an arm bar they're always looking for a cross arm lock or a leg bar and the reason for that is because the wrestlers were training at Battle Arts, the shoot fight promotion. So they did one or two days at Battle Arts as well as being in their own dojo, which was giving them this extra kind of edge to what they're doing. And Kong was trying to instill a shoot style edge on this to give it a different look. I think this is Aja Kong's kind of purest wrestling vision, the way she would like wrestling to be. Do you get that feel? Definitely. It's, it's very different. Very different. Crash wrestling. wrestling that I was used to seeing. It's yeah. very very focused, very trying to be real. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's trying to put more of a realistic edge. There's still a fair bit of aerial work and a lot of lucha work, and especially we'll see that in the next match. But actually the 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 emphasis is trying to get to a submission finish a lot of the time. There's still pinfalls, it's still regular rules. It's not like UWFI where there's a whole bunch of different wrestling rules to understand. It's still like solid basic wrestling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they're trying to produce a female-orientated, yet more digestible version of the WFI. You kind of nailed it there. I think the thing it reminds me most of is pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, which was... um, uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara's promotion when he left the UWFI and took Minoru Suzuki and Ken Shamrock with him um, and they that it's very similar, looks very similar to that but it's not quite as shooty based <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it's an interesting kind of cross, cross hybrid of professional wrestling and they're trying to envision themselves as the future not the past, you see that in everything and it's like the presentation as well all the wrestlers have to have a license to wrestle for Arsion. Aja Kong's license is number one, obviously. <laughs> but they all have to have a license, and that's how they're identified. They're identified by their license number and their name, which I think is really interesting. It gives a certain sense of hometown feel to things, which echoes stuff like Sendai Girls some 10 years down the line. Anyway, we go on to the next match. Now, on the actual video, the next match is a Lucha tag match, which we'll explain in a second. If you look at the cage match version of this particular night, it actually is a singles match, which was the main event on the card. So I'm going to go with the video version, but I have to look back to the cage match because the video obviously doesn't tell you the results. The video, the the next match was Fabi Apache and Michikuki Omakawa, who was doing double duty because she was tagging in the first match, against Aja Kong and Lady Metal. Now, Fabi Apache at the time was 17 years old. What? And she was, yeah. Well, well, I'm according to Cage Match, she is currently 39 years old, and she's still the lead heel for AAA's women division, right? 
Right. So that she was 17 22 years ago. And I'm not being funny. Unless she'd been fed a diet of ground beef from the age of two, how do you get that big at 17 years old? Because she's yeah, built yeah. a brick outhouse. <laughs> that. Uh, nah. <laughs> I, uh, nah? I'm just. That, that's broken me. I, I don't know how to reply to that. Because <laughs> she's very good, isn't she? Yeah, it's, she must have been training for like what thirteen, surely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that. I know they start a lot younger in Mexico and Japan, so I'm not surprised actually. She was trained by Gran Apache, who obviously is um, uh, um, the father of the Apache family um, and in Mexico and in, during while she was on her excursion with Arceon she was trained by Mariko Yoshida who was the initial lead draw for Arceon and Aja Khan so you know pretty Andy really training team that she had there um, so she she was kind of like how can we put this fast tracked <laughs> in her career um, she was really damn good in this match she is yeah Lady Metal what now, like Lady Metal, yeah. Now he she was trained by Pepe Casas, as in Negro Casas's dad and Heavy Metal's dad. So I'm wondering, she maybe wasn't a sister, but she maybe got the Lady Metal name from Heavy Metal AAA Junior Heavyweight, who was absolutely amazing in the early '90s. Um, I never really got the. How can I put this? When you've got a really famous and exceptional father and you've got a really famous and exceptional older brother, it's a bit of a tragedy that your career doesn't go as far as theirs. And Heavy Metal was amazing. He was he was a heel in AAA and then turned babyface, turned, turned uh, Technicos, and he was one of the guys who was absolutely beloved with the AAA fans. They loved him. He's the same generation as Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, um, but never quite got where he should have done because he was kind of like, he was amazing, but everybody else was more amazing, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think Lady Metal probably fits into that fold, because she's very good, but she's not Fabio Apache, is she? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the irony that Aji Kong was teaming with someone called Lady Metal whilst using Judas Priest's electric eye as entrance music. Yes, and this was uh, a, a nice match. It was all over the place. Omakai... Um, took a bit of a kicking in this match from Aja Kong. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell if that was worked or not, because she took a very nasty landing on her shoulder, and they kind of there icing it for a good five minutes. Yeah, um, I'm not sure it was that um, that uh, worked, to be honest. It was, very, it was very realistic. Even the work stuff looks realistic in this. And they did have a singles match not long after this, so it was building to something, certainly. Yeah, they kind of gave the yeah, spotlight yeah. to Apache and Kong, really, because Kong was beating the hell out of Omakai and Apache was beating the hell out of Lady Metal. Yeah, yeah. But it was a good match. It was interesting to watch and see this mix of kind of shoot-style pro wrestling mixed in with um, Lucha Libre. Uh, Lady Metal's outfit also echoed Heavy Metal's outfit because he had this like open shirt deal going on. But when you're a guy with an open shirt, it doesn't look that bad. So obviously she didn't have an open shirt because everything would be on show. 
but there was so it I was mean, like I don't know, given the promotional material you were discussing earlier. Yeah, well this is it. But it was kind of like fabric to give the impression she had an open shirt on with bits <laughs> covering where her nipples would be. It was weird. Thankfully she um changed her outfit in future matches because it yeah, just well, she might have been trying different. to get off with the bondage crowd. Quite possibly. Um indeed. That, that was more of a, a, a Oz Academy thing. <laughs> Actually, true story. But I'll get into that another day. Moving on. <laughs> Marika Yoshida uh, wrestled Ray Tamada. Again, both AJW people who had moved on. Uh, we have actually talked about Marika Yoshida before. She was in the most biggest attendance of all time show in North Korea on that uh, card with uh, Ric Flair versus Antonio Inoki in North Korea in Pyongyang. And she tagged with Manami Toyota against Akira Okoto and Bull Nakano. And didn't feel she was getting her due in AJW and walked out to go to Arsion with Ajikon. And that wasn't a bad move for her. And she also changed her style completely because she was a complete full-on aerial artist and then went to being a ground-and-pound mat wrestler, which suited her body type a lot more and obviously reduced her injuries greatly. Right, <laughs> um, Ray Tamada is a traditional professional wrestler, but she has some serious go about her. And this was corking, 12 minutes and 29 seconds. Yoshida takes the victory. What was your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, as I said, it was a pretty great match. A lot of back and forth, a lot of cool grappling. And, and unlike some grappling matches you see, it didn't lose its heat. Yeah, that's it. This is the key thing with this style of matches. Like, it's the big thing for me when I finished watching British wrestling and moved on to American wrestling as there was no more British wrestling left on television. The difference is, like, British wrestlers can spend 12 minutes on a mat and barely touch each other and make it seem interesting, whereas American wrestlers just can't do that. It's not possible <laughs> in the style of wrestling that they're in. So to make this seem like an interesting match that caught the attention of the crowd is really important. Definitely. Um, it's a very easy thing to mess up. You see it sometimes in, even in New Japan, they'll sometimes use a submission as a rest spot. And it just doesn't doesn't fit with the rest of the map. Yeah, it's like. Whereas here they try to make the whole match feel like the grapple first. Yes. And it paid off. Yeah, definitely. And it's the right guys to right women to do the job with. Yoshida also invented the air raid crash, which is the finisher of many people these days. Okada uses as a neck breaker. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Drew McIntyre uses the air raid crash as well. Um, and ooh, Eli Drake is the other person who uses an air raid crash I can think of as a finisher, but it all came from Mariko Shishida originally. Um, so there you go. Uh, who else have we got in this match? So the next match on this card is where things go a little bit awry and John loses his interest. <laughs> Which is a shame because it's Kaiori. Yeah, Kaiori wrestles Aya Matsui in a kickboxing bout. That lasts half an hour. Yes, it's a bit long. Everything on this show was a bit long, really, to be honest. And they do a good job of presenting it. Everything's there for a reason. The reason why it's a bit long is because they're a bit short-staffed. They've only just started the company. They've got a core set of wrestlers. The dojo's only just started. Not everyone's ready for that yet that's in the dojo. There were some corky names in that dojo we'll get to on the next card. Um, but this is fun. I like this kickboxing match to an extent. But if you're not a wrestling fan, it is a bit too kickboxing-y to be good, isn't it? It it, it would have been, would have been fine, fine 
if it didn't feel so awkward. Yes. There were a lot of gaps in each round when nobody looks sure what they're supposed to do next. And it just it kills all the flow of it. It's like, I enjoy watching kickboxing. Most combat sports I'll get into, but here I just couldn't keep my eyes on the screen. I was getting bored every few seconds because they just kept stopping and stopping and stopping. Yeah, it's the... How can I put this? It's like, if you football's okay when it's two teams that actually know what they're doing. At any professional level, they'll know what they're doing. But like, if you put TV cameras on your average Sunday league pub team, it wouldn't be that interesting to watch because they're not good. They're all right for a Sunday league pub team, but they're not entertaining to watch. And you may think that your Sunday league pub team winning 6-4 every week is entertaining from a goals point of view, but it's not like crisp professional football, is it? And it's a bit the same with this. It's not crisp professional kickboxing. It's okay, it's okay. Point, it's but if it didn't last as long as it did, it would probably gone down better. Yes, I think so. Shorten things up. And then we they got also, back. They also ended up taking like five minutes between each round. Which, <laughs> again, you, as you said, they were stalling for time and you bloody noticed it. <laughs> it also gave them a chance to recover. The one advantage of having long breaks between each round was they weren't too knackered to keep firing A-makers at one another, which is the exciting bit about kickboxing. But it goes back to when Bat Yoshinaga was WWWA Mixed Martial Arts Champion in AJW and kept getting these poor challenges who didn't know what they were doing. They were basically there to get their heads kicked in, if for real. And like they wore the bottom half of a, a martial arts gi with a white T-shirt, and the white T-shirt by the end of the match would undoubtedly be red where... Matsunaga had broken their nose across their face. Um, it it's still not the best thing to watch. So yeah, it's it's kind of like you need somebody to be a bit better at this to make it entertaining. They do learn their lesson though, because the one in the next next card is better. The main event of this particular night was Candy Akos. Uh, oh, I've got to get this right because pronounce this right. Candy Akusa. Candy Akusa versus Mikoko Kotigami, better known to you and me as Gami, the current lead booker of Wave Pro Wrestling. Uh, now retired, sadly, and was a comedy wrestler for a large part of her career, but started off with LLPW and was a serious shoot-fight-style wrestler, so this was right up her alley. Candy Akusa was, of course, from JWP, so they didn't just pick people from AJW, they found people who were trying to make a breakthrough from their home federations and trying to do something different. This was a professional wrestling match. Candy was known as a bit of an aerial wrestler and she gets some of that in, but she's constantly trying to go for the armbar and trying to get to a submission finish. Gami is a fighter. She is a submission style wrestler at this particular point in her career before she moved on to comedy to try and extend her career somewhat longer because she is funny and she is a fun person and a fun promo. What's your thoughts on this, John, as a main event? Because I think it was very good. So did I. This is really engaging. Because I was sort of like, okay, main event time. It can't be as bad as the kickboxing thing. And I was, I was right. Right. It was really awful. It got violent at times. It was nice. It makes a back and forth, a lot of intense grappling. And yeah, both people just messed with each other and it came off right. 
I will say at this point, as I'm looking back, the yeah, the, this was a month after the company opened, and they sound they feel like a company that have found their feet already. Yes, they opened it. Even I've just found that the the name of their original show, their first show, was a tour entitled Arsian, the Grand Opening Virgin, which is fucking horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it all sounds like, like, like 80s fucking skin flick. <laughs> it's the, the grand opening virgin. virgin. Welcome to the world's horniest hotel. I'm just, I just horrified. I'm, not, I'm all for Japanglish, and Giant Baba had the best Japanglish ever. Let's be honest. That's the reason why you ended up with things like World's Strongest Tag Determination League. <laughs> Unnecessary words in the middle of a sentence. I'm all for that. However, no, the grand opening virgin. We woo. Let it's us move like, on. You get what they're going for, but they've gone about it horrendously. <laughs> Can you not get somebody to proofread this for us? It's like you got Reggie Bedit working for you. She yeah. speaks English. Sorry. The grand opening tool would have worked perfectly, but not the grand opening. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Moving I think, on. I think they knew what they were doing based on the promo material you were telling me about. Yeah, it just oh, just 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 power. <laughs> you work. Oh, anyway, we'll move on. To the, but like I was saying, they do feel like they found their feet. They do feel like they know what they're doing as far as putting a show together is concerned. Would you agree? Definitely. Definitely. They, they did balance the card out, out night. It was a. It was a it, Nicely. Nicely. It was a lot of organisation, production value. value. Considering it's a house show, they did really put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, there's a lot going on here, and it, it's they've good quality matches. There's there's some bits they got right, there's some bits they got wrong, but it works really, really well. Right then, let us move on to Arsian Carnival, the much better named 1998 show <laughs> from Yokohama Bunker Gymnasium. For a standing room only, 1,650 people in attendance. The Bunker Gymnasium is not Yokohama Arena. The Yokohama Arena is the big one. Uh, Oz Academy still do shows here. It's got a nice big staging area. It looks really cool, to be honest with you. And the presentation for this, all the resettles were presented at the beginning of the show in traditional Arceon style. But they did it behind a backlit curtain, so you got like nice poses before they came through the curtain. which was It was cheap, but effective. It worked well. And there was a nice presentation of everybody involved. What did you think of the start of the show, John? Yeah, they tried to make it feel like a big deal. It wasn't the most effective looking one ever, but it gave it a sense of sort of gravitas. And it's like, right, this is the big one. Here are our fighters. Here they are doing shadow puppets behind a curtain. Now let's go. <laughs> For sure. It was uh, nice. it's slightly cheesy. But... Right then, so the opening match was Esther Moreno, Lady Metal, and Jesse Bennett versus Mari Apache, Fabi Apache, and Makeko Aquino. Uh, the result for that match was Aquino, Fabi Apache, and Mari Apache won. Mari Apache is Fabi Apache's sister. Aquino was coming out of the dojo um, and was the rising young star. The two big stars that will come out of the dojo, she was one of the rising stars. We haven't talked about Esther Marino since the early 90s when she was an AJW regular, but obviously uh, she'd always gone with AJW. She was mates with uh, Aja Kong after they'd beaten the living shit out of each other enough times. 
<laughs> because uh, one of my favorite matches was Jungle Jack. That was Bison Kimura and Aja Kong versus Minami Toyota and Esther Marino, where they gave their heart and soul to that match. And both Toyota and Marino left the ring bleeding. Um, it was an absolutely stunning match. You've got to find it. Jesse Bennett, uh, who was trying to get more a more rounded approach, and Metallica, or oh, Lady Metal. She got a new name, which was Metallica. wonder where she got that idea from. Eight minutes and 58 seconds of Lucha Madness with some arm bars thrown in. What did you think of this, John? Well, it was the closest, was the closest we got to the, got to the... Joshi approach. This is one of those matches where it kind of just went everywhere. Yeah, it, it it didn't really have much rhyme or reason. It just kind of happened. It wasn't bad. It was not dreadful. It was very good for what it was. And Esther Moreno is such a ring general. She bossed everybody on her team about. <laughs> Go here, do this, stand there, do that. It has a nice feel to it. It was just very different to everything that was on the card previously. Yes. I think as well, like Esther Moreno bulked up by this point. She, when she was wrestling, like early days of AGW, she was this slight teenage girl. And by this point, she's a she's a, an adult ring general. She's bulky as well. And uh, she's kind of like bossing people about. And she got, has got this style down to a T of what she wants to do. Um, and bearing in mind, like Aquino, Fabio Apache, and Mary Apache, I don't think any of them were 20 at that point. So it worked really, really well, considering like the, the lack of experience of the people that were in it. It's a good level of wrestling match. Definitely. Definitely. Right then. Uh, next was um, a mixed martial arts match, uh, which was BJJ, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Saya versus Aiku Saito in a five-minute draw. And it wasn't that exciting. It was all right. They showed about 30 seconds of it on the app. Yes. Yeah, because it was highly edited to keep to the interesting bits because there weren't that many of them. Because BJJ with geese, I don't think, is the best televised sport because you can't really see an awful lot what's going on, can you? No. So it was all right. Did where it said on the 10. Um, I think the more impressive match, though, was another boxer versus fighter. Chi Unju lost to Miko Futigami, or Gami, in 7 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, Gami went on full shoot style. This was not a pro wrestling style match. Chi Unju looks like a karate practitioner because they were using, she wasn't using punches. She was using open hand blows, but it seemed very karate style, though she had a bit of uh, grappling, probably some judo in with what she was doing as well so she could defend. But she wasn't uh wasn't brilliant on the mat which is where you really need to be with a grappler and a good grappler will be a good striker nine times out of ten because once you get somebody off their feet they're a lot easier to deal with for as far as a grappler is concerned and gammy's a grappler that's what she does for a living and it proved itself here and certainly you still get that mixed martial arts feel this feels a bit more like the early days of fmw when they were kind of throwing martial arts at the wall and seeing what would stick what's your thoughts on this john yeah, I actually quite enjoyed this one. As you said, it was an interesting game of cat and mouse between grappler and striker because you see Gammy get quite a lot of locks in fairly quickly while. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Unju. Unju is there just literally trying to strike away and get in the counters when she can, but it's a fairly one sided sort of thing. 
Yeah, Unju did. I think Unju must have broken a thumb at some point because they had an injury timeout and taped her up. Yeah. I think she she clipped it on a palm strike. Yeah, it was it was it was an interesting kind of approach to it, and you know it was a bit more interesting than watching some of those early days of FMW where you've got um, heavy strikers up against pro wrestlers who are trying to have a pro wrestling match and it just doesn't work. Uh, whereas this was a much closer to kind of a mixed martial arts match, and it was much more interesting to watch. I'll tell you what's more interesting, interesting man. man. What's that? The alien bloody death match. <laughs> I would never let that go. No, no, you will not. Uh, next up was a kickboxing match. Aya Mitsui defeated Natsumi Nakazawa, uh, and it was good. Actually, it went a lot. It it was more interesting to watch because these are actually kickboxers know what they're doing. And therefore, it was like a, there was a flow to it, and there was actually like a match going on. And and Nakazawa got um, uh, a knockdown early, and then it was kind of a story of Mitsuri getting back on her feet, and eventually just trying to hammer home her slight build advantage. She was a bit heavier and had a bit more reach, I think, and it showed in the end. And it was a good match for it was. Um, do you want to know what ninety sports bras were made out of? Because I think it was pixie dust and hope. Because there isn't enough material to do the job, but everything's staying in place. Don't get that. Don't quite understand how that's happening. Uh, answers on a postcard, please. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I actually, actually yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed this. this. It, it felt it, much more like a kickboxing match. Both people knew what they were doing. Both people went hell for leather. And it was just a hell of a lot more dynamic than the one that was on the previous show. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it dynamics the word. There was a lot more just going on, wasn't there? <laughs> like I'm just watching it back, and they are literally just punching each other in the face. It's it's just non-stop. Just punch, punch, kick to the gut, punch, punch, kick across, punch, 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 punch. It's it's just relentless. And something like that, I can get behind. Interestingly, Mitsuo won with a, a kick to the breadbasket twice, and that really crippled Natsumi. She couldn't be coping with that. Um, yeah, so a bit of solar plexus. Apparently still does the job these days. Well, 22 years ago, it said certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. Right then, the next match was an actual wrestling match with proper wrestling rules and everything, and it was a tag team title match. The Twin Stars of Arceon title, which is a brilliant name for a championship, they didn't have belts at this point. They were presented to the winners of this match. They had ring jackets instead. So Hiromi Yagi and Rai Tamada went to the ring in lovely quilted satin ring jackets, floor length. And they defeated Michiko Umakai and Yumi Fukawa in 12 minutes and 17 seconds in a breathtaking tag team match that really showed what the Arsian style was all about. Lots of brawling, lots of in the ring, out the ring, uh, some aerial work, but mainly about getting submissions on. This was really a lot of fun, and probably, I think, the best match of the, of the ones we've seen so far from Arsion. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, I have to agree. I actually, actually greatly enjoyed, really enjoyed the fighting in the fans, the fighting in the ring, the yips, the chairs. It all feels very high stakes. Yeah, it feels like a championship match. You can see everyone going hell for leather, the shocks early on, you name it, they go for it, and and Christ, that's probably the best version of the X Factor you'll ever see. 
it's just, just this was fun that's that's what it was it was fun it was really damn good and yeah yeah there's a bit of needle in this one as well they were rival teams at the top of their game and it showed and that's kind of what they were trying to do with this tag division it worked really really well now next up we were back to our mma and we had reggie bennett fighting reggie arena in a catch submission match now regina arena was a russian lady I, I, I posed on this morning uh, on Twitter that I missed the days when Japanese uh, promotions would bring in random sambo and wrestlers from Russia who looked like a, you know, really nervous, uh, awkwardly so, on camera before the actual bell rang and then they went and murdered people. And this was a case of that, very much so. Uh, Regina Arena stood there, looked terrified, then heard a name, smiled, waved, and then the bell went and she kind of went out for leather Reggie Bennett. And Reggie Bennett was on the losing end of the stick and very angry about it because essentially Regina Arena got an anaconda vice on Reggie Bennett and sat on her. And the ref stopped it at that because he thought that she couldn't defend herself, which I quite rightly thought she couldn't defend herself. And she was terrified. She was terrified. She was really angry that she lost because she said there was no catch. There was no, her arm wasn't in danger. I'm not convinced it was. Um, but, you know, there you are. Six minutes and 49 seconds. But this was a slow-paced grappling match. There was nothing professional wrestling about it. This was about as amateur as it came. Um, both wrestled barefoot. That was the interesting thing about that vinyl mat that Arceon used. I'll explain more about it in the mat- match. But it favoured people wrestled barefoot or wrestled in shoot shoes because they actually had grip on the bottom of their shoes. Other people who wore traditional wrestling boots slipped about all over. What are your thoughts on this match, John? I don't really, I don't really have, have a whole lot to say. say. Couldn't concentrate on it properly. It's like, it, it just didn't click with me. It didn't look... It, I think in like Arena is probably an excellent practitioner of Sambo or amateur wrestling and knew what she was doing. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great to watch. It's like on playback, it looks a bit better, but I don't know. When I was trying to watch this, I kind of just glazed over. Yeah. Especially following the sort of match, the the tag match, it just felt out of place. Yeah. Maybe they should have put it on before the tag match and they got to the serious wrestling. Plus the screwy finish didn't exactly do it any favours. Because it's like, oh yeah, here we go with this sort of ultra-realistic amateur catch-as-catch-can stuff, and then it ends on a bot. You're just like, oh. Yeah, and I'm, um, I'm sure the Anaconda Vice actually is a shoot manoeuvre. It was based on a shoot manoeuvre, and this was definitely the shoot version of it, and I think Reggie Bennett was in trouble. But I do have the feeling she probably couldn't breathe if she'd laid on her, because she was laid on her face, basically. <laughs> She was using all the body weight on her face, and I'm not sure she could defend herself. I think it's the right call in a, if it's an MMA fight. If it's worked, then perhaps it should have had a more interesting finish. I can definitely, I can definitely see what they're going for, yeah. And it is a very vicious move in a vicious position. It's just based on how uh, Reggie was kicking off. It's, I don't know. I can't tell if it was if they had something planned and it didn't work or this was legitimately just how it ended. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's a bit, a bit of an odd one in the middle of all this. So we'll go to the next match, which was excellent. It featured Aja Kong and the young Ayeko Hamada. 13 minutes and 32 seconds. Now let's give you some background here. Aoki Hamada is the sister of Zokatia Hamada, the daughter of Gran Hamada, and she is part Mexican and part Japanese, hence her exotic good looks, which obviously was shined upon as far as Rossi Gao was concerned, and also the fact that she was an exceptional professional wrestler. She's about 18 here. They were actually that high on her. They went and filmed her high school graduation to show that she could go to the dojo full time. <laughs> believe it or not. And she was trained by Gran Hamada and her sister and Aja Kong. Um, and this match was kind of like her big match debut. She'd done some stuff up until this point, but this was her finally going up against a strong main eventer in Aja Kong. It doesn't come much stronger than Aja Kong, does it? And Hamada was trying to prove herself, much the same way that Gabriel Kidd is trying to prove himself against Togi Makabe in New Japan this week in the Summer Sizzler Tour. This was very much the same kind of thing. And uh, Ajakon versus Aoki Hamada just showed off what Hamada could do. It made her look like a fighter because she never gave up against Kong. But eventually, Ajakon, the unstoppable force, plowed through Hamada in spectacular fashion. What are your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, this was violent. This was very. <laughs> it's not just that, it's the fact that um, she showed absolutely no fear in the face of Kong. Like, Hamada, right on the back, he's like, right, I'm taking this to you. I'm not scared of you. I'm going to run things around. But then, yeah, actually gives Kong a fight. Something that a lot of people struggle to do. It's very. It was just really admirable to see someone get given the opportunity to make the most of it and take Aja Kong for a ride. That's that's quite something. I think that's one of the tools in Aja Kong's bad that she doesn't get credit for. Her ability to get other people over is absolutely amazing. Like, I've seen her with rookies in Oz Academy, and she could shut them down in 10 seconds flat, and she's made them look like superstars. She's the closest thing this generation has got to Bert Azarati. Bert Azarati was an all-British heavyweight in the pre-TV era who was renowned for being double-hard because he was a Wigan shooter. He, came, he had time at the Snake Pit. He was a Londoner who went all over the world and wrestled everybody and did it on his own terms and threw open challenges out to people like Luthez and knew he could handle himself. But he made everybody else look a million dollars before he murdered them. And Aja Kong is that person. She doesn't really murder Akiyoki Omada here because she wants her to be the strong rising force within Arceon. And over the coming years, she will be. But you can see here that Hamata Kong is really looking after her, but still giving her the beating she needs to give her because she's Aja Kong and she cannot be seen to be weak. But the ability to get other people over without without expense to yourself is a rare art. Naja Kong is an absolute expert at it. One hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. And like even, fact, even as recently even, as that um, um, AW six match. Yeah. Kong looked like a boxer, but she was still making sure everyone else got got to look good too. Yeah. 
was my favorite quote was from my dad about the AEW. I said, I told my dad, AEW signed Aja Kong, and she said, and his reply was, do they know what they've let themselves in for? with Eddie Kingston as well. Yeah. God bless Eddie Kingston. I just hope they use them right. You've got one of the best all-round King's Road style trash-talking fighters that will ever be, and you better not waste. Oh no, I think I, I think Eddie's smart enough. Everywhere Eddie's gone, whether it's Impact or NWA, he's done the right thing at the right time. He may not have got the pushes he deserved, but everywhere I've seen him wrestle, he's been outstanding, and he will do the job for AEW. I want to see him do all sorts of things like Brody King. He's probably a good idea. Not yeah, not Brody King. Who's the was Brody Lee. Brody Lee? That's it. Brody Lee's a good. But yeah, Eddie versus uh, Brody Lee would be out, out, be perfect because they know each other from the Shikara days and had some cracking matches back there. So I think that would be really cool to see. But anyway, moving back to Arceon, we have one more match to talk about, which was the main event, which featured Marika Shishida and Candy Akutsa in 16 minutes and five seconds. Shishida takes the win. But this really laid out what Arceon was about. Kutsa uh, was kind of a, a hybrid by this point of aerial Lucha Libre style with lots of serious mat wrestling in. Like we said, Yoshida had calmed down and become this mat wrestler. But there's all sorts of things in here you haven't seen before, like Akutsa doing rolling German suplexes two or three years before Kurt Angle started doing it. <laughs> so, you know, this this is really interesting style of wrestling that it's kind of state of the art. No one's doing this anywhere else in the world, and no one's doing it as well. There are people who've tried it, the people who've put it together, but it's not flowed this way. And Yoshida is kind of coming into her own as a main event star, and I think this is really shows in this matchup. This works really, really well for me. It really ex- explains what Arceon's about in such a strong way. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, this was again another kickoff main event. There was a lot of drama, high stakes, action. As you said, things that very new for time were being brought out, and it, it all flowed really nicely. And yeah, it felt like something that the other Joshi companies weren't doing. It gave Arceon what I'm assuming is their signature style, their go to, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It, it's it's not like shoot fighting, like straight up UWFI, PWFG, that battle arts, that kind of shoot fighting. It's something a bit more recognizable to the fans. It's easier to uh, appreciate. And they've got such a roster of big star talent because obviously Makoto and Yoshida and Kong are big names from other promotions. They've made the now somewhere else and now they're coming to do this here. It give them. It doesn't feel like a small promotion. Their crowds aren't as big as Gaia, and their crowds aren't as big as AJW. But it doesn't feel small time, does it? It feels like they're going to go somewhere with this. Sorry, I just, Sorry, I just watching some of it back in there. Candy's just been Candy's dropped just on a head off. Head off, 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 off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not particularly safe. <laughs> I was saying, it's this nice mesh between like high stakes grappling, shoot style, and then you get the odd bit of car crash sort of Joshy in. They found this like really nice mix. Yeah, it, it's really well done. 
I think is the phrase. We can't really, you can't really say any more about it. It's just, it's just good. It's solid wrestling. It's like a nicely made pair of shoes, dead comfortable from the get go. And you just kind of slide into it. It's, it's wonderful wrestling to just easily appreciate and still have some edge to it. It's not, it's not like WWE, which is like, you know, McDonald's wrestling, dead easy to eat, will fill you up, but it doesn't really satisfy you necessarily. Whereas this is satisfying storytelling within the match context. And because you're not having big, long rivalries between different wrestlers, you're not having the heel face thing, it makes it feel a lot more immediate. It's easier to grasp hold of it as a sport, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's pro, that's our hypervisual arts Arcyon as an opener. I'm sure we will do more because there's loads of their cards on YouTube. And there is a big history um, retrospective of Arcyon available on YouTube as well if you want to find out more and watch more. It's in several parts, um, but it will kind of give you the whole story. We're just looking at cards because we like to go in depth and talk about different wrestlers and the effect they had on professional wrestling. So. These two cards we'll put into the tweet and, and promote it uh, as we normally do so you can get to see the cards as well. But this was a good wrestling show, two good wrestling shows that are well worth your time. And Arceon is a wrestling promotion that is well worth your time. So please go and watch them. They're very, very good. And it gives you an idea of what's going on in Aja Kong's head as far as what she sees professional wrestling as. And that's really important to the understanding of Aja Kong as a performer. Anything you'd like to add, John? I think you kind of summed this up perfectly. Like I said, this was kind of my first guess, and although it was a bit of a mixed bag, I did enjoy for the most part what I saw. It's definitely a company with its own style of doing things, its own identity, and its own sort of plans for its roster. It seems to have like its head on its shoulders very early on in the game. It, there is that sort of element of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, but... You do definitely see, them, see like an idea of what they want to they do. Want to do you see them laying groundwork for it. Yeah, it's it's very very cool. So we'll call it for the Troopany Show today on the Beginner's Guide to Professional Wrestling in Japan, Arceon in 1998. And I'd like to thank my guest, Mr. John Dinsdale. Thank you, Ken. thank you, Ken. Where would we find you on your social media, sir? Uh, the best way to find me is to just follow John Deathman on Twitter. That is like the gateway to hell for everything you could possibly need. <laughs> Writing, deathmatch, ramblings, you name it. You can find me at Sarah Flowenstar on Twitter. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Please give some money to us there. And help us pay for the cost, because SoundCloud does actually cost us money. So if you could come and give us a hand, I'd lovely. It'd be nice. Appreciate it. It would be great. Uh, we'll be back next week. You will have uh, the Wrestling Rewind this week. There's actually a Rewind episode that I have to put up after I finish recording this episode. Um, but they will be covering cool stuff in North American wrestling, as they always do. Dave and Dara, it's a wonderful show. You should listen to it. I, I love listening to those guys, because they're so enthused about professional wrestling in a world where, you know, we tend to have a, a negative view on life because, hey, look at what's going on outside the window. At least you can come to the Troopany Show channel and get some positive waves on things you might want to watch. That's what we try and do. 
Thank you to our sponsors, powerslam.tv, or our working partners. You can get a free month when you use the code MULLETWATCH when you sign up for them. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.